Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow men, hoping we can make everyone to another episode of Blog Talk Radio, and uh, we are having so much fun on here. I mean, Oz Guinness last week, and uh, then we had, uh, uh, oh, Peggy Waymire before that, uh, a, a journalist from, um, from Atlanta, and then we had, uh, oh, go back farther, our our good friend Rob Stutzman, who is a uh, uh, a Republican um, uh, commentator, I guess you would say, lives in Sacramento, California, um, and uh, on our board, and really interesting stuff to say. Uh, the world is crazy right now, let me tell you, and... Uh, and, and we've got we've got a wild and crazy guy today to uh, to help us get a get a beat on what's going on. And uh, this is going to be so much fun. Um, uh, Glenn Kaiser has been in, involved in in music from the way beginning, Resurrection Band, uh, many of his own his own blues tunes, uh, and then but then. The, Hey, you guys, when we talk Jesus music, when we talk about uh, what happened in the 70s and where Christian music got started, uh, this is the real deal. That's all I can say. Glenn Kaiser is the real deal, and he's still doing exactly what he was doing 40, 50 years ago and uh, working with the poor and the homeless and the needy and in Chicago, um, inner city, still there, and Jesus People USA, and uh, he's got uh, a real interesting um, take on what's going on in our culture right now, and uh, it's impossible that we can capture it all in a half an hour, but we're going to do our best. Please welcome to Blog Talk Radio, um, not new on this. I think this is at least our second time. Uh, Glenn Kaiser. Glenn, welcome. Thank you, John. Really, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Yes, always. Um, before we get into this current project that, that is uh, fascinating, to say the least, um, let, let, let's just do a quick history and uh, uh, figure out where you know what's been going on in your life like the last 40 years <laughs> in, in about two or three minutes um just give us a little bit of an of an overview uh how how you have gotten to where you are now 
Well, as a kid, grew up in rural central Wisconsin, um, went through a stretch where my dad lost uh, a lot of his health. We became very poor as a family, um, hunting, fishing, uh, picking berries for a living, bartering, Mm -hmm. trying to uh, just get through it. My mother left for the big city. Um, We were out in the sticks in rural Wisconsin. She went to the city to get a job to pay off all the debts and eventually committed adultery, divorced my dad. I ended up in the suburb, the working class, blue collar suburb of Milwaukee, and then eventually moved into the inner city, uh, black ghetto with my girlfriend. I started getting involved in music uh, right after that divorce within a few years. I think I was 12 years old. First band, um, blues and R&B and, and soul music, early days. Um, that went on for years and then morphed into early heavy metal. Uh, because of Jimi Hendrix, uh, it, it took a black man to bring me in, back into white music, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd skipped on, on white music. And I, I, I saw the, you know, of course, living through the Vietnam War, the Kennedy assassinations, both Kennedys, Martin Luther King Jr., and on it went. So Vietnam... Uh, I did a lot of peace marches, uh, hunger hike in, in Milwaukee, volunteered for that. I, really, I was, an, I was a low-grade activist, and really what I was was a messed-up addict. I'd gotten very much involved in you know, all sorts of dope and alcohol and sexual addiction. Long, long story short, came to ask Jesus into my life uh, just before I turned 18, about two weeks before my birthday. Ah. The next nine months was up and down like a roller coaster, but I found this group of Jesus people who who really had a, a, a kind and an open-hearted attitude toward the traditional churches throughout Milwaukee and actually found some folks in those churches that that likewise had an openness toward these young young hippies and uh, who had come to faith. And... You know, we saw the hypocrisy and the foolishness, but we also saw it among all, all of the Jesus people, right? So, and in our own community. So, going on from there, we did a lot of traveling. Um, I laid music down for a time, picked it up again uh, at the encouragement of leadership uh, in the community. And res band kicked in. Um, I was 18, 19 when my wife Wendy and I fronted the group and. That went on for 35 years. Mm. We ended up in Chicago um, after traveling around and sharing the gospel in the street and parks and with churches and every which way. Uh, ended up in Chicago. We were basically a mobile uh, church, mobile ministry, as it were, but working with everybody and anybody. And um, from 73, uh, spring of 73 till today, uh, had a sense of call to the inner city of Chicago. And so, yeah, we're involved. Cornerstone Community Outreach is a little under 400-bed homeless shelter. We, in our own 10-story that we live in, um, hmm. you know, about 90% of us live here together in community. Um, couples, married couples have their own room. Kids have adjoining rooms. There are singles and uh, dorms, you know, guys and girls dorms. And the top three floors of our of our huge old hotel building that we own and run we have a Friendly Towers Seniors Program. So we have between 90 and 100 low-income seniors 
uh, who live, uh, in, you know, on those top three floors. Wow. And um, we're self-supporting. Um, way back when we started the uh, Lakefront Roofing Supply and uh, Belly Acres, a new T-shirt design, and we have a, a custom metal shop. Uh, and we've done what we've done to support all the ministry and the outreaches. Now, I personally, John, have been doing a lot more prison and jail ministry. Uh, we did it along and along. Res Van did shows all over the world and did like, what, 16 albums. And I'm up to about 36, 37 albums now. Uh -huh. uh, but a lot of my heart um, in the last 10, 12 years or more, I do everything I can in Cook County Jail, along with a group of other chaplains, and then I'm also uh, uh, credentialed at uh, Stateville, which is probably the second or third toughest uh, prison uh, in Illinois. I've done wow. a lot of prison tours throughout Ohio, Alaska, uh, really all over the world. Uh, uh, Finland, uh, mm. Iceland, uh, Norway, whenever I can, uh, I, I'll go in and do concerts or a sort of concert service where I share how I've been delivered from addiction. And um, I, I've been 12-stepping, by the way, for years and years. Uh, but uh, my higher power is, is Jesus, straight up, uh, the, the yeah. Son of God, uh, God the Son. And so, you know, when the Father tagged me, uh, he was scraping the bottom of the barrel and uh, – so my heart goes out to the underdog and to broken people and to minority people. My best friend mm. from third grade up uh, happened to have an Afro. His mom was full-blooded Hawaiian. So now you've got a pretty good synopsis of where I come from. Uh, my, my attitude prior to coming to faith in Jesus, I hated, and I mean hated, anything to do with racism, uh, with prejudice, um, hated the people that, that acted that way. So one of the marks of my, of what I believe was actually salvation of Jesus really changing my life is I stopped thinking about ways to hurt racists and clan uh, people. So huh. I got to tell you, I come from a very different perspective than wow. a lot of white folks because I grew up in the sticks by the way, yeah. I still own guns and I shoot and I hunt and, you know, I, I totally disagree with the NRA or the, I, I, I wish we would screw down the gun laws like crazy. So I'm, I'm probably 85 to 90% left politically. I'm an independent voter, hardcore independent, but yeah. I have the things that I'm telling you, I would have told you 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I mean, I, I, I have seen very little reason to to morph much past where I am now. Um, you know, history is history, and reality is reality. Um, and you can cross-reference the way this country has treated uh, immigrants and uh, yeah. minority people and people of a different color uh, than uh, Caucasian from day one. So anyway, there you go. Wow. Um, so... Given where we are now, and, uh, you know, speaking of racism, I mean, it's just raised, it certainly raises consciousness um, in this country, 
much more than it was. Um, but I think, you know, I think people are, are, are very much confused about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, what does it, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a racist? What does it mean to, uh, to, to not be one? Um, how do we, you know, you, it's getting, it gets so confusing. You know, you, you have people saying, well, well, we got to be colorblind. And then, then you have people who knock that down and say that, uh, that's a racist comment and, uh, and, uh, blacks are blacks and, and, you know, Browns are Browns and, and, uh, that, that's the way it is. And, huh, how do you make your way how do you make your way through this um and uh what do you think is is really needed maybe i should put it that way what's the thing that's really needed in this country right now <laughs> well i would say and i would have said this again you know way back when but a bigger heart hmm. bigger ears uh sacrificing time to actually ask questions and listen the humility to admit we don't know what we think we do hmm. and i have to say john without rattling off all the line, one liners in the classic terms i have to say it's a little bit of what i said years ago in south africa you know the the first two res albums i wrote two different songs uh anti apartheid Mm-hmm. And we res band toured all through South Africa. And we had to drag our white hosts into the black townships to mm. fellowship, to meet with believers, Christian Christians who happen to be black or mixed race all over South Africa. I mean, we literally had to drag our really sweet Christian white, white brothers and sisters. They were scared to death. Yeah. And they had never, some, you know, some of the largest churches, well, the largest church we played in it. And did several concerts, and you know, well, we did concerts all over the country in every capital, but Bloemfontein. And somebody told us we would have gotten, probably gotten shot up there. But um, mm-hmm. the white folks were were always in control. Well, folks, the white folks have always been in control in the United States mm-hmm. from day one. And before that, it would you could say in some ways the French. And in and before that, the Spanish. And, um, you know, one of my songs on Swamp Cast Messiah is, uh, you know, basically it came in and conquered. And it was for God and, and King. And, but, I mean, we can keep going, right? Because from day one, from day one, as far back as you can study human history and church history, mm-hmm. who called the shots? And there's this sense of conquering. There's this hmm. sense of, uh, heck, even in missions uh, and in evangelistic cru- crusades, mm-hmm. campaign, mm-hmm. those are military terms. And we can talk about the church militant. Uh, that's a phrase that some of the older folks would understand in the Christian church. Yeah. And I get all that. I mean, I'm a pastor, okay? I mean, look, I've, done, I've studied history, church history, human history for, from the time I was eight years old. So I'm 67. I've been down the road a, a bit. 
traveled the world many times. Look, it's about control. And if white folks in this country and in other places are not willing to hand the keys and the steering wheel and much of the control over to minority people, regardless of, you know, black, brown, mixed race, uh, Native American, Asian, we, we just we have got to grow up and get beyond this control factor, this fear and rage. Yeah. And, yeah. and the old, the old, the old, I think, very true adage, all change is perceived as loss. Yeah. Well, man, step down, stand down. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that means sacrifice. That looks like a cross. And it is. It is. And I think white folks aren't uh, largely, um, are still really, aren't, aren't maybe quite ready yet. Uh, don't want to admit it, don't want to face the ugly history of the nation, and don't want to face the reality of it right now. I don't care if you're in Democratic Chicago and Illinois or whether you're in, uh, you know, Republican Idaho. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, urban, rural, I've lived in both worlds. I'm very comfortable in both. I don't think most people are. And so, yeah, it comes down to heart and listening and building relationships and asking questions and, you know, do your homework. Study to show yourself approved. But no, we're and I and I. Hey, let's cut some slack, John. People are trying to survive. They're trying to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a if they have a somewhat comfortable life, they don't want anyone to rock the boat. Well, the problem is there's a boatload of folks out here, and and massively so, uh, uh, people of color, who don't have that sort of comfortable life. Yeah. And why they want change is is because of that uh so in that way yeah none of us are any different from one another in that respect but i think we have the power we have the control we always have and unfortunately you know might doesn't make right yeah yeah well um yeah so all of this is something you've been observing since uh I'm glad you gave us that little uh, that little overview. I had no idea how you had grown up. Um and well, before, uh, you know, when I was young, when I was very yeah. young. Seeing the underbelly. Very, mm-hmm. Oh, sure. It was way before I came yeah. to the Lord. Heck, second grade in Fox Lake, Wisconsin. I used to walk past the sign every day 1181. And I think they were counting the cows, you know. <laughs> there were two black families, or maybe one. And, I, you know, that first black people I ever saw. Never saw another black person, person until I was, you know, in the Milwaukee suburbs with my mom. Yeah. And then not until we went into town, d- downtown. Well, I used to shoot marbles, you know, pitch marbles uh, outside the school in first and second grade. I thought they were cool, man. These two black kids, two little black boys in my grade, you know, in first and second grade together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought their hair was cool. I thought their skin was cool. But, John, I thought white kids with freckles, if you had red hair and freckles, I thought you were cool. <laughs> so there's something in my DNA, I guess, that I didn't like the fact that, that 
when it was every when all the penguins looked and dressed and sounded the same, I I was like, so what, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, now a lot of people are you're that person's different, right? So yeah, yeah. Gotta watch them. You know, they're suspect. Uh, look out for that. I don't know. Hey, fight or flight kicks in. Well, that, I don't I don't know what to tell you, but you know, for me it was like, what is the big deal? Yeah. And I always loved chocolate milk, by the way. First, second grade up there, you had your choice. You could have either white or chocolate, and I would always take chocolate. <laughs> so well, I don't know what to tell you, I, but I saw it early on. I saw yeah. the way people looked down on other people. And I guess maybe because we were poor, and I, you know, I, I didn't really feel it or understand it much then, but as I got a little older, oh, that's the way we got treated uh, by some of these folks when we lived up there. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, poverty means that there's something wrong with you. You, you've obvi- you're reaping what you've sown. Uh, you must be guilty. Mm-hmm. Wow. We shopped at retail shops before it became a thing, you know, and we had to, right? We had to, so we couldn't afford anything else. So. Well, Glenn, let's talk about let's talk about swamp gas messiahs. I, <laughs> I, I want to know where where on earth you got the title. I love it. Um, but, uh, I've, I, I, my computer went down this morning. I was so mad because I've been popping around with different computers and I, we wouldn't need, I can tell you, God just, uh, saved my computer a minute before, uh, I had to call you for this show or else we wouldn't be on the show because I was not getting it. Uh, I, I was, you know how you got everything in your computer? You got all the yep. all the usernames and the passwords, and it and it just all flows, you know. And yep. now I got to get to my blog talk radio, and I I'm but I'm on my wife's computer, and oh my god, it was just I couldn't do a thing. And I um, out of frustration, I just grabbed my computer. I get Lord, I was crying. I Lord, help me here. Help, bang, on it came. <laughs> oh, so great! And I, well, thank you. And uh, so I, I'm seeing all that because um, I, I'm I can't wait to hear the rest of it. I probably heard about uh, I would say a third of Swamp Gas Messiahs. Um, and uh, for those who are listening, this is a project that <clears throat> Glenn has just put out. You can get to it on YouTube. It's free, uh, 18 songs, one after another. And uh, I I can tell you, I've listened to about a third of it. And it's just kind of like, I think this is the stuff that's been bugging Glenn for a long time. <laughs> and and he just finally gave voice to it. And we've got um, some incredible songs of uh, freedom, freedom sold to the with a bank account um, offshore. Got, uh, I love this one. If I'm right. I think I've been left on we've got manifest destiny of Native Americans. Uh, how we have to extend we have that land, uh, Chinese goods over in the the architects of the world poor. Uh, we've got oh, a song on fake pretty much everything. I love that one, Glenn. Fake love, real guilt, real guile. That was a nice line. 
Um, so I'm I'm having fun with this. I you got to tell me wh- what what made this come about and uh, wh- where did Swamp Gas Messiahs come from? <laughs> well, the title, and you notice there's a it's a, there's an S on the end. It's plural. The yes. title. The idea that we're going to fix the swamp in in Washington D.C. I mean, I know that we've legalized marijuana in a lot of places, but I think everybody's been smoking if they if they believe that. So the, the, the issue is, well, the issue is, is that, you know, there's no Messiah, but the Messiah. Yeah. And and it's 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 really idolatry and blasphemy and stupidity to somehow think that any politician or group of them is going to fix what ails us at core. Having said that, I, I, I'm not apolitical, and I've never been apolitical. Um, and I started uh, more conservative and more to the right uh, in my first few years as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. Uh-huh. The more I read, you know, Micah 6.8 and Matthew 25 and on and on and on, and everything that the Lord says in his word in both Testaments, old and new, about the poor – and about the rich, and about the way the followers of God ought to be, should be, must be, he commands us how to treat and interact with immigrants, refugees, the pagans, you know. And there were those times when even in in the Old Testament, various pagan kings, total unbeliever kings, would end up, as it were, prophesying to the kings of Israel or Judah because they had fallen so far mm-hmm. from faithful obedience and love in terms of the commandments of their God. So you've got pagans calling the, the, the chosen people to account. And then, of course, you see every prophet in, in both Testaments uh, and I'm talking the real ones, not the fake prophets, the false prophets, but the real ones, God calls them, sends them, and tells them, this is what you're going to say to the king, to the people, to the nation, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to my people, which are called by my name, uh, Mm -hmm. who show up, you know, in the building on Sunday, right, who do the temple worship. And, of course, you get this farmer prophet, Amos, who shows up in town and just goes off. I mean, let justice roll down, you know. So anyway, all that's been in my heart forever. And Mm -hmm. these songs, Mm -hmm. because, look, when I started studying human history as a very young boy, before I was a teen, I found myself enthralled with, with history, broad history, not just U.S., American, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but, in this hemisphere and in the other, in European history and, you know, ancient history to the present. And then I got very deep into studying war, uh, the U.S. Civil War, the, you know, the Spanish-American War, which is an interesting one, uh, the um, First and Second World War and Vietnam War, of course, which I, I was a teenager at that point. But by then I'd read and read and read and read and read. And I, I poured over encyclopedias studying other countries and cultures 
And essentially, it's like human inhumanity to human beings. Well, I mean, yeah. is that not what goes on continuously anyway, right? So growing up with all of that, but in the last four or five years, prior to the 2016 election, prior to that, I started writing songs uh, that ended up on this album. And okay. then I wrote the last three or four songs in the last oh, year uh, or so. Okay. And so you got to know, yeah, my lifetime, my whole, everything that I've learned, my studies, brings me to the conclusion uh, of many conclusions that you hear on the album. So yeah. very quickly, boom, 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 uh, the environment, racism, yeah. uh, medication of, 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 in fact, in, in entire tribes yeah. uh, in the state of California up uh, a bit past San Francisco, Sacramento, up north. Uh, an entire tribe got wiped out. Mm. Um, and it was partly disease from the white man, but the, the last of them there was only one person left and half of his family died from disease and the other half were shot and killed by whites. So hmm. you got to know, I mean, I, entire nations were wiped out so that we could conquer and get the flora and the fauna. This is, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, this has been, you can talk like this about every country pretty much in the world. Um, there's very few that, that that wouldn't apply to. So when I do, did this album, I'm talking about the failure of coal, um, the the failure of big oil, uh, the trashing of the of you know the environment. I'm talking about racism. So, a couple of songs that nail this issue of immigration. Yeah. Uh, you know you you ain't welcome here. We don't want you. And then of course uh, the mother of exiles, which I'm quoting the plaque at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor. Now nah, we don't want them anymore. Get get out of here. Go back to where you came from, or don't show up at all. Yeah. And so there's just the whole album, song for song. It's a protest album. I grew up in it part is. listening it to is. protest uh, albums and 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 singers and songs. You know, from Pete Seeger, Buffy St. Marie, heck, yeah. even Dave Van Rock, Ronk, who is crazy and an old dope and drug, uh, alcohol blues blues guy. He did all this finger style. He was nuts, but he was <laughs> very talented. Yeah. Even yeah. Dave Van Ronk would get into protest songs on occasion. And, of course, Bob Dylan and Pete Seeger and way back to Woody Guthrie and on and on it goes. And some of the black blues men absol and women absolutely way in the 20s and 30s, every now and then they would be writing a song that would talk about the injustice. And they would often use code words and, you know, do it symbolically with the lyric. But every now and then, they'd talk about the, the garbage that they were forced to eat, basically because of the color of their skin and the Jim Crow uh, era and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I decided, you know what, I'm going to write an entire album full of songs. I'm, you know, and, I, and, John, I don't plan to write. I just write. And mm -hmm. after I wrote six or seven like that, it was like, okay, it looks like <laughs> I need to just go ahead and yeah. finish up on these issues. So I've covered everything from war, uh, guns, you know, a lot, a lot on racism and on uh, exploitation, the failure of money, the failure of capitalism. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people say, oh, you're an old leftist, you're an old hippie, uh, I've been a democratic socialist since I was probably, oh, 16, 17. Huh. Well, Glenn? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. I thought I lost you there <laughs> for no, a minute. No. Right here. I don't think, you know what I think, Glenn? I don't think these are protest songs. Yeah, I think... I think these are prophecy songs, and uh, I have felt like we have needed this uh, for a long time. That, and and it's been God's people who have played this role down through history. Have yes, have been, yes, yes, have been the real yes. prophets to call things into account and uh, um, to call the kings into account and. I mean, John the Baptist, you know, led the way to the Lord, but he lost his head because he called Herod into account for for his sin. You know, and what's your, you know, what, what business do you have doing that? Well, he's a public figure and and uh, and John the Baptist represents the truth and. You know, we as believers represent the truth, and I I think it's it's bothered me for so long that uh, that so much of what is Christianity in this country has just kind of fallen over uh, uh, into power, as you say. The the as soon as we got Christians got a taste of political power. Boy, they just they just grabbed onto it and and lost any sense of real uh, prophecy, any sense of what is the church really here for? What are we here for? I mean, you don't even hear about the gospel from these people. So you know, well, this is this is the this is the gaining this is the gaining the world and losing the soul. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I uh, I thank you, my friend, for um, giving us the soul back with this, and uh, I want to encourage our listeners to find Swap Gas Messiahs, Glenn Kaiser, and uh, and give it a good listen to. Um, wonderful, very entertaining. I love the music. Uh, uh, there's a nice variety of stuff and. Yeah, it's just it's very unique. And but Glenn, I I just thank you for sticking your neck out and being who you are and and sticking with it. I I just uh, I just want to honor you for that. Well, thank you, John. You've been an inspiration to me. Anybody that has a a heart uh, for other people and you do and, and, and has consistently done it for a lifetime speaks so yeah we look if the church isn't the conscience of the society that the, that the church is in what are we doing here what's the point i mean it, it really it's a waste it, it, and i and the swamp is a wasteland because we make it so yeah and the, here's the, here's the here's the thing glenn though you know politics has gotten so important that people will overlay this, what you say here with politics, and they will decide whether they hear you or not. Sure. And 
Yeah. Well, and here's what I is, say. That is that is not the way it should be. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think at the end of the day, I have a lot of friends who are absolutely as far to the right. They're almost they're almost left. They're so far to the right. <laughs> and, and, and and of course, they we know we're not on the same page, you know. But yeah. we actually love one another and respect one another, and we have maintained real civility, and and we have some engaging, deep conversations. But they're not shouting matches. You know, yeah. nobody's pulling out a gun. Nobody's, you know, damning. Well, you you couldn't possibly be. There's no way you're a Christian. This is demonic, man. I'm like, well, let's go right to the scripture. I mean, mm-hmm. really. And let's start there. And let's and if we were going to talk about love and and uh, cross bearing and w- how to treat your neighbor and immigrants and all the you know people that aren't like you and me, let's go right to God's word. Let's mm. let's talk about it. Let's go there. You know, let's let's base our positions on what we say. We're if not a Christian, at least a Judeo Judeo Christian you know culture and society. Well, yeah. great. Let's prove it now, right now, today, you and me. Let's go. Let's talk this stuff out, man. Plug that guitar in and play. Don't talk to me about guitars. Play it. <laughs> Throw down, you know. Well, and I think it's that kind of relationship we need to have a lot more of. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I hate to say that our time is gone, um, but uh, that just means we'll have you on again Um Sometime in the in the near future, uh, God knows what's going to be happening in the next few weeks uh, to this country. It's going to be an interesting thing to see. But uh, thank you for helping us focus on um, some real truths about how how we love God and how we treat our fellow uh, human beings. So, Glenn, thank you so much. Um, keep it up. Just keep up the good work. <laughs> Pleasure, John. You're welcome, and, and, and God bless you, man. Bless you and okay. me, Marty. <laughs> okay, you too. Bye-bye, my friend. Bye. Woo. Okay, everybody. How was that, huh? All right, let me say it one more time. Swamp Death Messiahs, Glenn Kaiser, you can just go to YouTube, write that in, and you'll find it, and uh, listen up. It'll make you think. Uh, it'll make you cut through a lot of the mess that's out there today. Um, great to have Glenn on with us and uh, help us keep thinking through the issues. What does it mean to follow Christ? Uh, in 2020 it's a challenge my friend and uh, I pray that you are finding out God bless you come back next Tuesday night we'll have uh, we'll have more of the same stuff to make you think and uh, make you love the Lord more okay God bless Bye.